of course the song is called Goat. Yep. Oh, I yeah, already... those guys are freaking meme lords. Oh, I already want to vomit a little bit. Okay, here we go. Okay, okay. I'm skipping through a little bit. I don't really know what to make of it. Mm. It's kind of like, I mean, dubstep bits mixed with jazz, mixed with rock. Yeah, yeah. I mean, super virtuoso shit, right? So you can't complain about them being shitty at their guitar, but like it's music for musicians. Oh my God. Yeah. It's too much going on for me. Not, not my thing. Gotta be honest. And you've basically now have heard a large portion of their, uh, Catalog, I mean, the guitar it, sound is kind of cool because it's mostly clean and you don't hear that so much anymore. Yeah. So that's kind of cool. Yeah. But it's, uh, no, not my thing. Like super hyper digital stuff. Uh, super good. Like those people are freaking amazing at their job, but still, ah, can't listen to it for long. And so welcome to this week's edition of the podcast <laughs> where Chris and I are revealing what old men we are. Yeah, basically. they're fucking boomers. <laughs> I think actually Tim Tim Henson is that the name of the, the guitar player? I think so. He actually called those full bands we were just talking about from the Iron Maiden solo boomer bands. Boomer bands. But they kind and of he are. released a fucking shitstorm on the internet. I mean like, they kind of are though. Like, of course they are. Because every sort of solo of a sort of seventies, eighties rock band does start with Stars some with outrageous bend. Like, and norm- ends with it. Normally around somewhere between twelfth and fifteenth fret. It will have right. some outrageous bend on the B string. And they yeah, all yeah, do. Yeah. Like, And you have to end on a 22nd uh, fret uh, high E string. As high as bend. possible. Full like, bend. Get to the, <laughs> to the E. The <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I think it, Kirk Hammett did that in multiple solos. <laughs> but I like it. So, you know. Yeah, of course. So fuck you, young person. Who um, earns millions of dollars every yeah. day with playing guitar. But I'm what right. do you know? Yeah. <laughs> How are you? Uh, me? Yeah. How are you doing? I'm, I'm, I'm fine. I'm, I'm a bit tired from the concert yes, yesterday night. So what, well, what, where did you go? Tell, tell, tell the lovely people where you went. We went to see Simple Plan and Sum 41 in Berlin. And it was good. And they played all their hits, right? Sum 41. I mean, they're going to have to at this point, surely. Yeah, they have. But I honestly cannot remember that much. <laughs> <laughs> For... Reasons for so, reasons involving things, things. Uh, but they played, of course, my favorite. No, not my favorite, but they played Still Waiting, which is one of their like I love the most. But they didn't play as much from the uh Screaming Bloody Murder album, which is sad. This one I love the most. Where was it? But still, where was the venue Max Schmelinghalle? That's where we are going next week, right? Yep, is it I, good? That, it's cool. It's really good. You can actually like even if you purchase uh like tickets for 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 in front of the stage, you can still stay uh, on top on the on the on, a, on a seated places. There's like large areas to 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 walk about, and you can check out the show from anywhere you want. 
Nice. So I, I, I really dig it. It has like become the go-to venue in Berlin now for bands of that size, if you will. Hmm. I've seen Nightwish there, Arch Enemy, Amorphous, now uh, Porcupine Tree next week. And yeah, pretty cool. Like lots of rock and metal acts there. Nice, nice. What's coming up on this week's show? Uh, stuff we've been listening to. It's a bit of an unscripted episode, this one. Stuff we've been listening to. Then I'm going to put in uh, the interview that we just did with uh, uh, Phileas, the singer-songwriter, sort of French-German-raised singer-songwriter who we spoke to uh, the other week. At time of recording, the episode just came out, so you can listen to the interview individually and separately if you want. Lovely, lovely guy. Really cool uh, singer-songwriter uh, stuff and uh, loved talking to him. So that will be in here as well. I'm going to do you a round of fact or fiction. We haven't done that for a while. Ooh, nice. And you are going to be very surprised by some of them, I, I think, okay. actually. So uh, cool. we will do that. And uh, then we'll round off. That's it. So what have you been listening to? I have been listening to... Hang on. I've prepared this, prepared this kind of... Oh, nice. Good. Uh I've been listening to a bunch of German hip hop. Okay. Uh, which is weird for me, but because of like uh, some people I got to know, I started to listen to Materia a bit more, which is actually pretty cool. Uh, pretty successful guy in Germany, like triple A full on dude. Wow. And yeah, very nice, very nice guy. I've got to meet him. Glücklich zweiter, keiner mehr Verlierer, keiner geht mehr Clown, freundlich zum Kassierer. Alle ziehen aufs Land in die große Stadt nie wieder. Silbernes Besteck, goldener Retriever. Alle mähen Rasen, putzen ihre Fenster. Jeder ist jetzt Zahnarzt, keiner ist mehr Gangster, keiner fälscht mehr Stempel. Alle gehen schwimmen, jeder steht jetzt auf der Liste. Niemand geht mehr hin. Keiner And I also started to listen to uh, a band that Flo recommended, Falling in Reverse. Falling in Reverse, okay. Yeah. Um, fronted by Ronnie Radke, who's kind of a polarizing figure in rock and metal. <laughs> is he? I don't know who this guy is. Yeah, I, I didn't know before. I, like, I actually saw a video once about him, but couldn't like put him together with the Falling in Reverse stuff. Yeah. Uh, he seems to be very like um how should you how can i say it like he he really uh uh what's the the english expression for that like he he paths the way is that it's a paves like the way paves the way thank you thank you he paves the way for for a lot of trends and nobody gives him credit for it like he started to put uh, trap and and hip hop elements into in, like modern uh, electronic hip hop elements into into metalcore riffs and stuff like years before it was cool and nobody ever gave a shit. Like, now everyone does. So yeah, yeah, and like it's not the first time he um, he d he d does did stuff like that. So uh, yeah, seems to be a yeah had some issues with the law and shit, but uh, very very uh, a pioneer a, a, of some sort. Yeah, a pioneer. Thank you. Yeah. Um, has an insane work ethic, like writes a song all by himself and stuff and 
has his thing his finger on the production and shit. Like the mod, like the new there are three songs that I've been listening a lot to: Popular Monster, Voices in My Head, and Zombified. And this is basically like the most modern sounding metal stuff right now. Like so overproduced. Like you really have to uh, like that sound. Very mm. compressed and loud and uh, with a lot of production techniques. Very electronic sounding. Uh, he actually just, I think a week ago, canceled a show five minutes before uh, because the laptops for the backing tracks got stolen. And he was, he was like, we cannot play our set without the laptops which caused oh a massive God. discussion online about bands using backing tracks and uh, like old older guys and bands were like if you cannot play without your laptop you're not a musician and like this <laughs> stupid discussion about a non-problem <laughs> just let the guy use his fucking laptops exactly uh but yeah still yeah so uh yeah falling in reverse and pretty cool Giving me the worst advice Kamikaze crash like a suicide I'm a lost boy, you know better Please don't make this last forever Nice. Yeah. Yep. 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 That's what else what is I on the list? Uh, I think from not nothing from me from my side. Oh God! Then you have opened up the box that is my list. It, it, nice. it, it's a lot. So cool. Um, okay, I'm going to hit you with some of them first. I'll hit you with the quick ones first. Um, Strand of Oaks. I sent it to you the other day, actually. Um, mm -hmm. Galacticana is the song I really like at the moment. It's a uh, guy whose um, who's moniker is Strand of Oaks. Like, I can't remember his actual name. But um, how I got to know them is it's because he supported My Morning Jacket once, and I completely ignored that that was who it was. And then I just heard his, this music one day while I was listening to Spotify, actually, and it was like, oh, this sounds like My Morning Jacket. I was like, oh, wait, I know this guy. Like, I do know who mm. this is. So I've um, been listening to a lot of him. Very Richard Ashcroft, British soft rock sound even though he's American I really like it really good stuff and just like when we were kids all the bad things we did together I don't want to drag you down I don't mean to drag Um, been listening to a band called Wild Rivers, a Canadian band. It's a bit poppy for me, but there are a couple of good songs that I like. Uh, one called Weatherman is particularly good. Small town, big shot for a 
like that one. So let's get the quick ones out of the way. Another one I discovered this week is a guy called Bill Fay, who actually was famous in the 70s, then kind of disappeared for a long time. He's got a really cool story. And then from 2012, has been recording and releasing music again. He's like 78 years old. It's really, really cool. Um, not not the sort of like, you know, 30-something-year-old singer-songwriter. No, he's an old man, like, doing it. And it's really cool. Uh, English guy. I don't like all of it. it. Some of it's a bit, I don't know, chirpy. Too chirpy for me. But there's a song called The Healing Day, which is really beautiful. And uh, really just... It's 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 very typical chord, like run down chords on a piano. It sounds almost like a gospel song, and it's really really good. And uh, so I like him a lot. Now we get on to the more stuff that I'm going to talk about. I told you I've been listening to lots. And this this needs a digression to Netflix, though. Have you seen When They See Us? I have not. The Netflix show. I haven't not. Okay. I, I, have, I, I have not. <laughs> I need to... St- I've, I've thought about this as well. I need to start another podcast as well, talking about things I've caught up on, because I'm so behind on films and television, because I'm an old man. I think I might even call it the catch-up, and it's just me giving my reviews on things that have long gone. Um, but one is When They See Us on Netflix. Everyone should watch it. It's four-part drama about um, about the exonerated five. It was the uh, five teens who were wrongly convicted of raping a woman in Central Park in the 1980s. Um, and oh, it wow. follows their uh, journey and how corrupt... Uh, the police are and stuff and it's it's unreal like really it's part documentary part tragedy part drama part horror it's it's really cool and I loved it and it's moved me incredibly but the um, soundtrack choices are so on point like everywhere there's a bit of hip hop in there there's a bit of metal in there a bit of rock and a band I really got to like through it is this band called the Cinematic Orchestra have you heard of them? I think so. You probably have, because there's a song on there. In When They See Us, by the way, they don't use this song, but uh, they use a song called All Things to All Men, which is a really, really great song. Um, But the cinematic orchestra are most known for this song called To Build a Home, which if you heard it, you would instantly know it and be like, oh, okay, I know. Just from the first two piano notes, you'd know. Mm. Um, it's one of the most used songs in film and television. It has 440 million streams on Spotify. Oh, the wow. rest of their stuff has a few million, so they're still big, but not that level. Like so, um, yeah, you know it if you heard it, and it's used. Well, what in, what's it called? It's called uh, "To Build a Home."
Oh, right. <laughs> it's used yeah. in like montages. Yeah. In video games, in films, in TV series. Nice. So that's what I've been listening to. The cinematic Top comment is, is it just me or does this make you feel everything that you can describe all at once and you realize that maybe there's still some hope? How would you know Jesus what hope Christ. feels like? Uh, Jaden. Jaden. Don't get therapy, Jaden. Jaden. Cinematic on YouTube. Right, a couple more. Alice Bowman. Nice. Uh, Alice Bowman. And I know her because... I was once looking up a how to play the war on drugs song Red Eyes on piano. And I saw this woman come up called Alice Bowman. And she does a wonderful cover of it. Very sort of not little known, but not so well known singer songwriter. And she's from Malmo, where I am. So I didn't even know this. So I need to somehow contact her because she's really great. Um, cool. 34 year old, just super, super cool singer songwriter, sort of uh, soft acoustic stuff and I need to get in touch with her because uh, we share, share the same taste in music it seems so <laughs> she's pretty cool time, but I don't know where you're on my side again so ride the key wherever it goes I'll be the one I And finally, the final thing, and this is sort of a plug and sort of not, I've been listening to Moves Johnson's new stuff. Friend hey. of the show and regular Moves Johnson. He's releasing his album on the 31st of October. Spooky. That is spooky. Um, and it's called Never Dine Alone. And um, I like dining alone, though. I think it's fun. But anyway... Yeah. And he's releasing the album. Then it's a full band kind of set up this time. It's um, actually a concept album telling the story of a boy who moves to a city. And uh, in fact, he wrote to me to tell me it's a concept album to tell the short story of a boy leaving his small town, moving to the big city to make it. But then he finds out he hates it. And he eventually just becomes sucked in and turns into one of the zombies he hates. So really, actually... Kind of sounds like my experience with Berlin. So um, that was that. And uh, I've listened to a handful of songs off of it. You can pre-save it now on Spotify before release. I, I don't really know how to describe it because it is a bit different. Um, the solos in it and actual drums and stuff. Like it's a proper sort of rock album. But it sounds mm. like a really dirty Irish rock band like who would be in a pub. So a little bit disjointed, not quite as perfect as it could be, but that's okay kind of thing. Nice. I'm thinking sort of Dropkick Murphy. It's a bit rowdy, a bit raw. Um, but I like that sort of stuff. So um, that's that. 31st cool. October. Save it or put it in your diaries and things. Moves Johnson's new album.
in a second, Chris, I'm going to grill you. Fact or fiction? And when I say in a second, I mean in 33 minutes of listening time, but for us recording in about 10 seconds. Um, Because I'm going to input here the uh, interview that I did the other week with uh, Phileas, singer-songwriter originally from France, raised in Germany, and he does a lot of sort of Leonard Cohen-y type songs from a very introspective personal perspective. And he's got an album coming up in October as well, which you can check out. You can find him on YouTube uh, most of the time. Most of his releases are on there. Phileas, so P-H-I-L-E-A-S. And we talked about a bunch of stuff, including sort of the importance of utilizing these musical influences through to how to be confessional when you write and how scared it can make you feel to be so open in songs because he really is. And uh, we we had a lovely conversation. So this is what happened when we talked uh, a couple of weeks ago. I was lost in the darkness, vastness away, lightless horizon. The cold spreading inside In this breathtaking fight I could not go on Now, for the first time in my life I can believe Now, for the first time in my life I can breathe It's all better It's all better It's all better now No, that's a tough one. Who am I? (laughs) I need about 10 albums more. (laughs) Really, um, who am I? Um, I was born in France. I grew up in Germany. And, um, yeah, so like I discovered when I was 11, I discovered the Beatles and that's where it all started. Um, and actually it wasn't proper the Beatles. It was Beatles life at the BBC, mm. which is, if I don't know if you ever listened to it, it's like, a, it's a lot of their songs, but there's also a lot of rock and roll classic, you know, Elvis and all, all, all mm-hmm. the stuff that, um, that influenced their music. And so I, I had a sort of like a, a very particular glimpse into music history through the prism of the Beatles, you know? Mm. Um, yeah. And so I got, I got really hooked on the Beatles and then I started listening to Leonard Cohen, which was more on the singer songwriter side of things. So I would just sit in my room for hours and just, you know, play his songs on the guitar listen to his songs. And, um, there's something in his voice and his songwriting that just, um, yeah, I was like, oh, this is it. This is mm. what I want to do. Mm. And then, yeah, so then I, I, I learned the guitar and uh, I was playing cello at the, at the time. And then I, I took my cello and, and put it sideways onto my lap, <laughs> using it as a guitar. So then I was like, okay, this, this is probably the moment where <laughs> this, this is the sign. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, and then I learned the guitar and the piano, and then I spent a long time writing songs, but not having the confidence to actually put them out or to perform them live. So I, I think I was—I've always been a bit shy 
with regards to that, especially when I was young. Um, but also I, I, I kept writing, like, I think, yeah, obsessively I've, I've written so, so many, many, many songs. And then when I started recording and started playing, um, yeah, then I got confronted with reality mm-hmm. and the music business. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so yeah. But I mean, so, so hang on. So when did you start picking up the guitar then? How old were you there? Uh, about 11. Okay. And then, so you started writing songs already that early or did that come a bit later on? It, it kind of, I, I remember, actually, I remember writing songs. I remember playing songs to my parents, um, which were not very good. <laughs> or at least the reaction of my parents was like really underwhelming. But um, no, then I, I think I started in, in earnest when I was 19, 20. Mm. And that's when I really was like, okay, I want to... I want to say something like I want to, I want to use this as a form of, of expression. And, uh, I got really obsessed with lyrics as well. Mm. I still am. Um, and I got obsessed with like the English language and wanting to master it like as, you know, as best as I could just to, to get it right. Just to get this sort of like, you know, what, what you, what you find when, in Leonard Cohen or Bob Dylan, this just absolute, mm. um, yeah, this kind of like at times also disconnect where the, where the lyrics don't really fit the music, but they fit it in a more perfect way than if it was a like classic songwriting. Yeah. These little quirks, these little things that you, at first you go like, huh, what's that? And then actually realize when you listen to the song for the, thousands of time that this is actually what is, makes it so interesting or David yeah. Bowie or, you know, stuff that at first seems a bit weird or wrong or counterintuitive. And that is actually the essence of what makes a song interesting as opposed to like pop songwriting, like we have it today where everything's like really smooth and, and really catchy, but nothing really, um, sticks mm, very mm. long it's just it's just fade really quickly fades and, and becomes boring go by you can spend the night beside her and you know that she's half crazy but that's why you want to be there and she feeds you tea and oranges that come all the way from china and just when you mean to tell her that you have no love to give her Then she gets you on her wavelength And she lets the river answer That you've always been her lover And you want to travel with her And you want to travel blind And you know that she will trust you For you've touched her perfect body with your mind. I mean, yeah, he's, I mean, he used to be a poet. So obviously Mm, he's he's got, you know, he's, you can, you can tell that he's very, um, yeah, he's like, his lyrics are way more complex than you would expect Mm. in a pop song. And, uh, and from, from what I read of his personal life story, he actually, the, the reason why his songs are so interesting as well is because he, he learned the flamenco guitar first. Like he was taught weird chord sequences that you wouldn't usually use in pop music. Mm, mm. And, um, 
And that's what makes it so interesting. And then the fact that, yeah, as you said, like, I think it's, it's a matter of like, it just fits his character so well. Like mm. he, he sings it like, like he means it because it's, yeah, you can sing about the Bible and you can sing about Joan of Arc. It doesn't matter because he's, there's such honesty mm. in the way he sings it. And, um, yeah. And, and I, yeah, it's, I, I find it, I find it fascinating also like the contrast between him and Dylan, who's mm. a, probably a, a little more easy on the, you know, who sometimes takes shortcuts or like mm. rhymes mm. that you would think like, Oh dear, don't do that. But, um, Cohen is probably more, would be more of a professor in that regard. Yeah. And, yeah. and that he's, uh, he's very careful. And then when he wrote hallelujah, he, he, he spent like months writing like he had like over 60 verses and then he would be in his hotel room in his in his boxer shorts and completely mad trying to figure out the next yeah. <laughs> verse yeah. and what what word exactly should you know stuff that but the stuff that I can relate to because I, I used to and I still am really obsessive about my lyrics and then in the end you just trim it all down to like I don't know because no one writes songs that have 10 or 11 verses anymore no, no. Um, so you trim it down to like two or three but every single word in these two or three verses um, you've put so much into them mm. like every mm. word has carries so much of yourself because you spend so much time thinking is this the right word or cutting words that, that, that don't belong there mm. Mm. Um, and I sometimes find myself even going into the studio and then realizing, no, fuck, this is not what I wanted to say, or this is not the right yeah, word. Or yeah. even when the song is already, like I have songs on my album now um, that I would want to re-record because there's one word that is bothering me and uh, like, literally no one would notice, but I know um, that it should have been another word or that I should have cut something out there. Yeah, but I mean, it's, <laughs> it's that a level of just perfectionism or is it just you really want to... Like you said earlier, you really want this to be your sort of vehicle for your thoughts and feelings. So you want to get it right. Or is it sort of a perfectionist quality? Um, well, I think when I was younger, it was more like sort of hubris and arrogance that I thought it, it really did matter. Mm. Like, mm. you know, I ascribed to myself that that kind of importance where I was like, your words um, <laughs> you know, are so important that, that it's worth you know spending all that time perfecting them. And now I've, you know, I've kind of relaxed a bit on that front and I'm just, I just want to write, um, I just want it to flow like, because I know I'm going to sing these songs like hundreds of times. I'm going yeah. to sing them like, you know, so many times. And so I don't want these words to bother me and I don't want them to, to like interfere with like the flow of, of, of performance or me singing them. So that's why I spent a long time perfecting the songs and then you know, then I can play them and I don't get bored or I don't get annoyed um, by, by like sh stupid lyrics or shortcuts that I took mm, or mm. just stuff that doesn't feel right. So now it's more of like a perfectionist thing rather than describing a sort of relevance to mm, it. Mm. Tell us a little bit about your music that's out there at the minute then, because well, let's start with the most recent one, which is uh, Breathe, uh, a most beautiful present. That's very mm. nice. Um, because this has got quite some sort of, um, I don't want to say metaphorical is not maybe the right word, but it's got some quite sort of observatory kind of 
I don't know, meaningful, deep passages in it. There's bits in there about falling asleep in snow and finding the source you were looking for. And it was, it was really like, yeah, this sort of touching, dreamy sort of way, but somehow meaningful. What's the sort of story behind Breathe? How did this come about? So I wrote Breathe at a time where I was really not doing well and really struggling on a personal level and professionally as well. And so, the, the, I mean, that's interesting because the line with the snow is basically the, the starting point of it because I was I, at one point I was like trying to analyze what is going wrong. And I was like, "What? why are you feeling so unwell and unhappy and unsatisfied? And I was mm-hmm. like, because I feel like I'm, yeah, I'm trudging through snow and it's so exhausting because mm. every step I take, it's just, you know, and it's, it's also funnily enough, it's, um, it's a story my dad used to tell all the time. And I don't know where it comes from, uh, about a man who got lost in a snowstorm. And, um, and basically this guy is just like, so he's walking and he's really exhausted. He's really cold and he's like, frozen almost to death and and he goes like okay i'm gonna take three more steps and then that's it that's all i can take i can't i can't you know i can't go any further and he takes these three steps and he's like all right i might as well take two more steps and then and then you know and then at one point he sees a light and then it's a village and he's saved so i always found that idea interesting because um like from my experience or with music, that's kind of the sense I always had. It was always like, um, I've reached a point where, you know, this, I can't do it anymore. There's, I don't have the strength to carry on. It's just too hard. And it's just, I'm not getting anywhere. I'm not getting out, you know, I'm, I'm stuck basically I'm Mm. stuck in the snow. So I might as well just lie down and fall Mm. asleep. Mm. And so this was really, I think in, yeah, in, in the whole of my life and career, whatever, this was probably the point where I got closest to that. Mm. Where I was like, I'm just going to, you know, lie down and fall asleep. And, um, and then I discovered, um, by chance, a uh, meditation technique, which is where the breathe element comes from. Mm-hmm. So, and it was, it was liberating and it wasn't, it's not a miracle, miracle solution. It's not like it didn't erase all my problems or make my struggles any, um, make my struggles practically easier, but it gave me a tool. It really gave me a, a fighting chance because from then on I knew, okay, it's, it's, I can, I can handle it. And, mm. um, I've got, I've got a way of coping with what lies ahead and I've got a way to, make sure I can take the next step and then the next step and then the next step. And then, and it will come a point where, um, even if I don't reach the destination I, I wanted to reach, um, I'll be happy enough to just say, okay, I, I went as far as I could and there was just no way I could go any further. And this is kind of like the, the attitude I'm trying to have right mm-hmm. now is to say like, I don't want to have any regrets and I want to do the stuff that I want to do and I want to be proud mm. of the music I make. And, and, you know, I have a couple of objectives that, um, like always the next objective. So what, what do I want to do next? I want to make a fucking awesome video. Did that. Mm. What's mm. the next step? I want to record an album I can be proud of. 
did that. I want to do a tour that that really I get the feeling. Okay, I've 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 done I've done that, and and so on. And then so every every step takes me like a bit further, and and um, and allows me to like keep creating and keep making music and discovering new ways of like yeah expressing myself. I love the end of Breeze. I really love the end of it. It because it, it it comes in the end almost to this like hopeful sort of optimistic ending. It's quite rousing, sort of inspirational, profound kind of ending. This like we really swells up and up and up and up. And I really really liked that. And I think you end it with some lyrics around. You know, I'm going to misquote you now, but <laughs> about how nothing really matters anyhow. So everything matters differently somehow, I think is what it is, yeah. or something like that. And I just found that such a profound sort of observation. And again, a really perfectly worded couplet, actually. Like I couldn't think of a different word to put in there that would change it to fit. I was kind of like, hey, he's thought about that for a, for a while. Um, and I really enjoyed that, like just, just the way it sort of resolved itself. And it was, it was a great listen, really. Yeah, I mean that's that's kind of like the, the, this meditation. What it what it's about? It's just um, real letting go and realizing that um, you can get worked up about stuff, or you can actually you can crave stuff, or you can um, dislike stuff. But the, the fact of the matter is, it doesn't matter. It's, it's I mean, it's in diff- like. It's not going to change what happens. The only thing that can change is you mm. and your reaction towards it. So basically in my situation, being faced with like the obstacles that a lot of musicians are faced with when they're trying to be creative and, and, and make music and make a living, there's nothing I can do to change that. There's nothing I can do to change the system, um, but I can change how I react to it. I can change what I get from it, what I take from it. And how I I let it make me unhappy or whether I let it um, stimulate and boost my creativity because I'm like, okay, if this is the, if this is the situation, then fine, then I'll, I'll deal with it. And, um, but without, um, yeah, without too much craving, cause there's always the craving is the most difficult thing to get rid of. And without aversion, you know, this sort of like frustration and bitterness, to say like, why, why doesn't, you know, why won't anyone listen or mm, why, mm. why will it not work? That's, that will get you nowhere. That's, a, that's, you know, that's just you thinking you took a step and actually you're just standing smack in the middle of, of, of the snow and not moving mm. or moving mm. backwards. Mm. So, yeah. So that helped a lot to, to just, and uh, I mean, I'm, I'm still like, there are days, you know, <laughs> mm, mm. where, 
where you're just like this frustration comes back. But um, I found that, I've, I've, yeah, it's been easier to deal with and it's been easier to, to just discard the whole madness and the, the, all the impulses that, that try to, to steer you in a certain direction or tell you, okay, you should write like that or you should make music like that or you should behave like that mm, if mm. you want to achieve anything. And it's, mm. it's just not true. No, like, no. Because, I mean, in the end, when you look back, um, the only thing that matters is, is the music you made and, and like how honest, honest you've been mm. in what you've been saying and in what mm. you've, been, you've been doing. And mm. if you have any doubts about that, then you, you took a wrong turn somewhere. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Can we talk a little bit about the song Doobie, actually? Changing the tone slightly, I found I found this one quite a fun song actually, and uh, in a way, and it it reminded me. I don't know if this was the aesthetic you wanted, but it reminded me of the ball from Castaway. Like it oh is. my god, I thought it was. It must be yeah, right. It is. Like, it is. It's Wilson. Cause, cause it is Wilson. Yeah, Wilson. Yeah. But um, yeah. I thought it was. Um, tell us a little bit about Doobie because I was reading around on uh, on your social media stuff, and I remember when you released it, you said that it meant a lot to you. This one. Um, and, but tell us, so tell us a little bit about the story behind that one. Um, well, I mean, it's, there's two, there's the song and then there's, then there's the video, which is um, fantastic. Yeah, it's nice. Then th- this is what I meant. It means a lot to me because, um, that was a very DIY production with f- um, friends and family and, uh, and stuff. So I, uh, and it, it was very enjoyable. It was, a, it was like a nice it's just a. It was in the middle of the pandemic as well, so it was oh, quite, wow. quite. Yeah, it was quite liberating. It was like the, the period after the first. I think after the first wave or something, and before the second one hit. So we were all so happy to just go out and be able to do something. And uh, and I, yeah, I'm, that's why I was you know dancing on. And then we got the cheerleaders and stuff. So that that made me really happy. You know. Yeah. Li- <laughs> I was going to say, how did you get the cheerleaders? If you yeah. said it's a little family production, but there's a whole troop of cheerleaders in it. Yeah, but I mean, it's still DIY because it's like we we didn't have a budget. Like we had almost no budget, and um, but we just wrote to them and we were like, hey, we want to shoot um, a music video. Would you be up for coming? And they were like, yeah, sure. <laughs> and then. I was like, 
you know, I didn't know how many there were going to be, um, you know. And so we turned up on the day of the shoot, and all of a sudden there were like 14 cheerleaders and like three coaches and stuff. And I was so overwhelmed. I was like, I, ca I can't handle this. You know, it's too many people. <laughs> so luckily I had I had people helping me who then took care of logistics and and stuff because I was really like, I was not expecting it to be. In my head it was because basically that that I had that idea for a long time of just these these two friends, these two characters who are friends. And one one of them is weird in a sort of like I didn't know how, but he was gonna be weird. Yeah. And he and the and so they would just stroll around town. And then I, I pictured this last scene in like a huge football stadium. And um and I pick I don't know, I pictured and then I came up with the the ball headball idea and Wilson and I was like, yeah, so you know, one of them jumps into the goal. And then I had this image of like, you know, fireworks and cheerleaders. And I was like, you know, it's very ambitious what I had in mind. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, there's no way we can, we can pull this off because we don't have the budget. Um, but then we did it differently sort of. And it was really nice to, to see like, okay, it's not, it wasn't obviously a football stadium because you have to get permissions and, yeah, and stuff. Yeah. And no one wanted to give it to give us permission to, to shoot in their, <laughs> in their stadiums and also, you know, fireworks and stuff are pretty complex to, to set up. Um, um, but yeah, so we, we, we did that and, and just because it was well filmed and well cut, it, it had the effect that I intended because it, it wasn't huge, but, mm -hmm. um, it, it looks like there's a lot of, and there is a lot of energy, but just because people were putting so much into it. Um, and uh, yeah, so I would, that, that's why I was very happy about it. Mm -hmm. um, it's a great, it's a great fun little number. I really enjoyed it. Really enjoyed it. It's got this um, sort of Paul Simony Beach Boys vibe to it. I kind of, I kind of really, really dug it. It's got this very sort of 60s jangly vibe. And uh, yeah. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, I always thought it was Beatles when I wrote it. I was like, this is definitely a Beatles tune. And then, yeah, after we finished the video, I was like, yeah, it's actually more like, yeah, kind of more like Beach Boys and and uh, and stuff. So it, it kind of evolved the whole song also because of the aesthetics of the of the video and, and stuff. But yeah, it's definitely that period. It's definitely this sort of pop insouciance where everyone was just making, you know, making music and having fun. Mm. Um, and I don't get that to do that a lot. And, you know, most of my songs are, are quite serious and stuff. So it's always, it's very nice when I, when I have a number like that, I'm like, oh yeah, nice. <laughs> Just having fun. Do you get out and play much now? Post pandemic then? So, well, not post pandemic, we're still very much in it in parts of the world and maybe over winter, but now things have started easing up a little. Do you manage to get out now and play a bit more live? Um, yeah, well, I mean, I mean, I mostly play, it's like, I'm not touring. Um, so I mostly play like in the streets and small gigs and, uh, you know, weddings and birthdays and stuff like mm. to pay the rent and, and stuff like that. Um, which is, which is cool because I, that's what I wanted to do. I didn't want to get a day job that mm. didn't have anything to do with music because, um, I felt like this would really set me back. Um, and so basically I, a couple of years ago, I decided to um, start working with a loop station, mm. um, you know, recording backing vocals mainly because I'm not very good at the guitar. So I'm quite limited in terms of 
what I can do with the, like looping the guitar and playing solos and stuff. Mm, so mm. I, mostly vocals, but um, yeah, exactly. So I, 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 either I live loop the vocals or um, the second main part of what I do is um, preparing them at home, like recording the backing vocals, which is a really interesting exercise because um, I got to learn a lot about um, the really great backing vocals of like, you know, the Beatles, the Kings, Queen, mm. um, Beach Boys, um, people like that. And um, it taught me, a, a really, really taught me a lot. And um, it allowed me to really progress vocally, also in the main vocals, because, um, yeah, it was just a good, really good training and also a lot of fun because I enjoy I mean, you can hear it on Breathe. That's, there's about like 40 different uh, backing vocals, yeah, which, yeah. <laughs> which is all me singing in the studio and going crazy. So we had a, like a huge session and it kept growing um, wow. just, because, just because I enjoy it so much. Um, I, yeah, which, which is funny because I'm like, I'm like a singer-songwriter and also when I play with the band, I'm the lead singer. So, you know, you always in front and yeah, always doing yeah. the main vocals. But actually I think I almost enjoy backing vocal, doing backing vocals as much as I do main vocals. And, um, yeah. So, and, and it's, it's, it's nice because, um, nowadays you can find almost any recording session that was done, like by the, the big, big, um, huge acts like the Beatles or Queen, you can find the isolated vocals and backing vocals. Mm, mm. So you can really, really listen to what, what are they actually doing? Mm. And, uh, it's been really helpful and, and, and a very good, um, sort of training for me to like understand what they were doing and, and how they were doing it and try to emulate sort of like in my music. So, Mm. A lot of the new album, I mean, the new album was basically originally just acoustic. It was just guitar vocals and backing vocals, but a lot of backing vocals. Mm. Mm. <laughs> and um, and then the, we did the arrangements with the band, but the line, I think the essence is still like um, this singer-songwriter sort of and backing vocal choir aspect of, of like making music. You're the first person I've spoken to who has said something that I've felt for a long time and have never expressed, that singing backing vocals is more fun than lead vocals. It really is. I, I, don't, know, I don't know why either. Like I've never been able to really explain why very well, but um, I, I really enjoy it as well. Really, really yeah. enjoy it. It's, there's just something, even when I just listen to like stuff on just around the apartment sometimes, my wife's like, but you're not singing the lead line. And I'm like, yeah, I know. Like I'm singing like the harmony or something. Like it's 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 just more fun somehow. I'm not really sure why. But well, I think it's it, it might it might be to do it for like a short moment you just let go of your ego. Like you're not it's kind of like you get the same kick out of singing that you would get as a as a main vocalist, but you're not you're not the center of the attention and so you can just enjoy it. You know, you maybe don't have to like, yeah. Yeah. You don't have to pretend or to put up a show because you're just you're just blending in and and I, I I mean you probably everyone who's ever sung backing vocals had these moments where you just you sing your backing vocals and you're like oh this is so nice and then you look at the other person and you 
you see in their eyes that they are really enjoying it as well. And, mm-hmm. you know, and it, it can only work because both actually want it to work and not because one wants to sing louder than the other or be in front. Or, so, yeah, maybe it's it's a bit of that that you just just let go a bit of your ego. I don't know. Maybe, maybe so. <laughs> What's on the horizon then? Coming up for you next. So the new song came out only yesterday at time of recording. Um, and what's coming up next then in terms of in your, in your next pipeline? Some live stuff or new songs or videos? Or? Yeah, they, 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 I mean, there's some live stuff coming out. Um, some band stuff we recorded. Um, two of them are already, already out, um, which is really nice because, I mean, I love this band. Um, I think they're really great musicians and it's so much fun it's it's a whole different because i play a lot solo and I, I like it i love it but uh, playing with a band is just or with that band it's just such a like you, you're just transported by the energy and just it's a whole different thing and mm. um so i'm very happy that was one of my objectives as well to just be able to find really really good musicians um that understand each other instinctively and then put it all out there and, and make the music like the live music as good as it, as it's possible. And, um, but yeah, so we have band live sessions. I have some solo live sessions I did in a really beautiful studio recently. Um, I haven't seen the footage yet, but I was just blown away by, by the whole scenery. So where was that? What was that? It's UFO studios in Berlin. It was beautiful. I was just like, I want to come back here with like a gospel choir and, <laughs> and, and brass and, and the band and, and a symphonic orchestra or something and, and do something huge because it was it's such a perfect place for that. Um, but yeah, I mean, the solo, it was, it was really nice. It was really intimate. And uh, um, so I'm looking forward to that. And then obviously we've got another single coming and then we've got the album coming in October. October twenty first. Mm, not long. And yeah, no, it's uh, it's coming up. How does then, how does that feel? Yeah, oh, it's strange. <laughs> it's it's sort of like uh, it's a lot of excitement. It's a lot of um, also wanting wanting it to be over and out. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> it's like the whole promotion is so exhausting. Um, but. Um, but also a bit, yeah, you know, a bit like a bit, not afraid, but like once it's out, it's out, it's uh, it's done, it's gone. Mm. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, you have to move on to, to something else, to the next, to the next album and the new songs and stuff. So it's all, yeah, it's all a mixture of excitement and, and apprehension and, don't know what's going to happen, how it's just going to be received. And, um, but, um, now overall, it's just, it's fantastic because it's been you know, over five years in the actual recording process wow. of recording stuff from the very first like demos and acoustic uh, recordings and like some of the songs I've, I've written like seven, eight, nine, ten years ago. So it's, it's, there's a lot in there. There's a lot I put in there. Mm. So it's, uh, yeah, it's liberating to put it out and also a bit scary. And, uh, but I'm, I'm so happy with the result because 
yeah, I mean, I, I couldn't have hoped for like better musicians or better uh, arrangements to actually, yeah, make these songs. Mm. And so that's yeah. the 21st of October that comes out. Mm. Yeah. And then what's beyond there? Uh, big Black Void. No. <laughs> the Abyss. No, it's uh, we've got a release, um, record release show in Berlin on uh, November 22nd. Oh, lovely. Um, but then it's, uh, and I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> I have no idea, but, uh, yeah, we'll see. Exactly. We'll see. Like live in that moment and, uh, yeah. enjoy in the it. Present. Exactly. <laughs> live in the present a little bit. Where <laughs> is the, uh, best way or best place for people to keep in touch with your music? Um, where's the best place? Where are you um, most active? I am most active, uh, presently on Instagram. Mm -hmm. But what well, I mean, like, I'm not a very active, like probably if, <laughs> if you listen to someone who knows his shit in terms of promotion and marketing, <laughs> they would say like, you're not being active at all. You're completely inactive. But, um, no, when I have content to share, um, then, um, I'll put it on Instagram when I have some more prosaic stuff, like where am I going to play? Yeah. What's the next gig? And probably I'm going to use Facebook. Um, though I feel like no one's actually using Facebook anymore. So it's sort of like I do it in sort of like a very like, I'll just put it there out of, of duty. And, mm. you know, I'm mm. playing this gig, blah, blah, blah. I know what you mean. And then, <laughs> and then I'm like, uh, no one's going to read that anyway. Um, and then... Well, I don't know. And then YouTube for videos. I mean, you still, it's, you know, that's where I, I'm going to post the full video. So I like people to go on YouTube because that's where the, you know, on Instagram, you can put snippets and then you, you start sort of like teases and you try to entice people and tell them, so this is my new song, this is my new video. But then you also want people to go and actually see the whole video because you spend so much time and energy and effort and love and care and trying to make it perfect from start to finish. Um, that, yeah, you don't want people to just see the last 20 seconds or 30 seconds of, of it. So yeah, I would say, I would say probably if people want to go somewhere where they can really see all of it, then it would probably be YouTube. Matthias, Phileas, Matt, thank you very much for your time and uh, yeah, thank, thank you very you. much for this. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Thanks. Chris, it's fact or fiction time. Hit it!
Right, Chris, you're going to get yes, rock I facts am. again. But rock these facts, ones, cool. well, I don't know the, much about stones. Well, they're there. They're... <laughs> <laughs> that took you. All pets. Jesus Christ, that took me way too long to get that that's what you were getting at. Um, <laughs> these are, now they're music facts, they're not all rock, but there is a, a definite leaning towards rock. So cool. I'm going to ask them to you with, I'm going to just say the statement, you know how this works, is it fact or is it a lie? And uh, okay. I'm going to just hit you with some. So number one, and I don't know these either because it's an actual interactive quiz. So we're doing it together. Really. All right, cool. Uh, musicians have shorter lifespans than the general population. See, what kind of fucking idiot question is that? <laughs> yes, because of drug use. <laughs> you think it's fact. Okay, let's click. It is fact, indeed. One study conducted by a University of Sydney professor titled Stairway to Hell, Life and Death in the Pop Music Industry examined the deaths of artists between 1950 and 2014. The study looked at the longevity and the proportion of suicides, homicides and accidental deaths. These averages were then compared by sex and decade to the US general, popu to the general US population. Okay. Anyway, the results over this were that uh, musicians' lifespans were up to 25 years shorter. In 2016, <laughs> Mozart sold more CDs than Beyonce. Yes, fact. You are correct. This I was think because, I heard, I've heard that one before. Well, it's because of two reasons. One, because not a lot of his stuff is streaming. Um, so just not a lot of people are buying Beyonce CDs because they're <laughs> streaming it. And two, Universal released a box set commemorating the 20, 225th anniversary of Mozart's death. Each box mm. set contained 200 CDs, and that counted as an individual sale each time. So there was that. Mm -hmm. Right. I, th I think a couple of... I saw a meme a couple of weeks ago. There was like this... I don't know if it was photoshopped or whatever, but it was basically a, a Twitter screenshot, like a user uh, screenshot. Uh, what's it? Like Bands in Town, maybe? Mm, uh, mm, the, mm. the service for when bands go on tour. And it was <laughs> just Mozart and with the with the, the thingy over it saying now on tour. And like the dude just posted the screen ca uh, screenshot on Twitter with the caption, holy shit, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> that is good. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you'd have to go and see it. Like, for sure. I would. I would. Uh, next one. Listening to music damages your physical performance in the gym. No, it does not. This is, uh, the opposite is true. It actually enhances performance. I would have actually said it could be true because, um, because I guess you could just get distracted and go to the beat. But you're right. It is false. Um, yeah, it actually people use their power songs all the time for. It can actually boost your performance by an average of seven percent. Yeah, there we go. 
So always keep like the the your hardest hitting song for the last set of reps you're doing. When I'm doing boxing, side note by the way, I do have my workout playlist, and I always start off with. It's all quite aggressive stuff, but I start off with something a little more down tempo. But normally, mm-hmm. what I end on is something super aggressive because I try to match the beat of the drum, and so then it's like nice. nuts at the end. So it's really fast kind of shit. And I'm like, oh my god, I'm knackered. Like, <laughs> Wannabe by the Spice Girls is the catchiest song of all time. According to what metric? What just, just makes me angry, bro? <laughs> <laughs> This is <laughs> just so. Uh, how can you determine what what? It, Just say. <laughs> False. Yeah, it's a fact, apparently. According to one study. One, oh, wow. One. It contained thousands of pop hits going all the way back to the 1940s. And they asked 12,000 participants to identify the intros as fast as possible. They found that Wannabe was identified the fastest um, overall. But that doesn't mean it's the catchiest. I mean, okay, whatever. Uh, oh, this is a good one. This one at least has some research. I'll ask you three more. Uh, yes. Finland has the most metal bands per capita. Yes, that's, uh, that is a fact. Yeah. It is a fact. There are 53 metal bands per 100,000 yeah. <laughs> people. Uh, second place is Sweden and Norway, and there are of course. 27, so half. <laughs> Holy Jesus. Uh, who comes in third? Uh, Iceland, 22. Oh. So all yeah, of the Nordics, so all of them are uh, <laughs> in the top. Damn Norse people. The British Navy uses Madonna songs to scare off pirates. I think I've heard like a similar story to that before. But I, I maybe this is one of those half-truths where it's like, yeah, they use a song, but it's not Madonna. It's, I don't know. Michael Jackson. So I'm going with fiction. You're going with fiction because it's someone else. Mm-hmm. You're good at it this week. Fucking hell, Chris. You are right. It is true, it? but it's Britney Spears, not Madonna. That's why. <laughs> She's way scarier than Madonna. <laughs> They played the song Oops, I Did It Again and Baby One More Time as loud as possible. Dude, It's that like piano, like that low piano riff. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. That's so good. That is so cool. Like Gravity Falls even memed that uh, with one of their characters, like uh, side characters, who's basically like just a bitchy little girl. And whenever she enters, there's like this low piano note riff coming. And I was like, this is a Britney Spears reference and I love it. <laughs> Uh, none of the Beatles could read or write music. This is your penultimate question. Fiction. It's fact. Admitted by Paul McCartney after speculation for decades in 2018. Yeah, by the, the real Paul McCartney or the, his do, oh, yeah. Google after <laughs> he, <laughs> This conspiracy that he's actually dead. And, uh, Paul is dead, man. Paul is dead, man. He's dead, man. Yeah, when you reverse it, right? Dude, when uh, I when I first read that, I was like, oh my God, this is so cool. This is, whoa. It's creepy. It's <laughs> yeah, it I think it was 15 or 16. So the, the exact right age for shit like that. I was like, this is, oh my God. <sighs> They're among us, bro. Yeah. 
but there were loads of backmasked stuff in some Beatles songs, right? I think it was, mm. like, we reversed it and they were just saying nonsense. But, Isn't um, like the whole Sgt. Pepper album cover basically a collection of, of hidden things and, and shit? Yeah, and Paul McCartney is dead on the front cover. Yeah, that's is, on Heavy Road because he's barefoot. No, 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 but on the front cover of Sgt. Pepper, the coffin oh, right, right. has his bass leaning against it. Yeah, 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 you're right, you're right. Inferring yeah. that he's dead. Yeah, 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 yeah. And this then sparked massive sort of conspiracies that he was dead. Um, and that he died in a, a car crash. Yeah, and that he died and that the Paul McCartney we see walking among us is one of his many body doubles. Um, but it is not true. And um, the real rationale behind it, I think we talked about this on a podcast like two years ago, is that they were going to release some sort of like concept album where they would imagine sort of these different lives, a bit like a rock opera, like the Who did with Tommy, like these mm. sort of different lives of the band members. And so it was all sort of Easter eggs leading up to that, which oh, wow. is really fucking clever. Yeah. Um, so it was going to be like its whole own sort of anthology, which is pretty cool, but they uh, never got around to doing it. So that was that. But anyway. So the truth is much more boring in the end. <laughs> it usually is, right? <laughs> yeah, there we go. Uh, last one. Genesis is the first Ooh. and only band to have played on all seven continents. Hmm. Is that one of those again? Maybe they were the first, but not the only? No. But you're right to call it that it's wrong because it is wrong. Um, right. Genesis Heaven, they've played on five. But um, it's Metallica. Oh, right. They, in 2013. Right, they played in Antarctica. They played in Antarctica. Yeah. Right. So there did you we hear go. Genesis sold their rights to their music catalog? Oh, my God, I did. But I didn't read any more into it. Like, I just I saw mean, the headline. They sold everything apart from the stuff that has Peter Gabriel on it. Because I assume he owns it. He owns his rights still, yeah. Yeah, I, mm -hmm. I don't know how I feel about it, about all this selling of rights. I mean, I do understand it a little bit because it's a guaranteed <laughs> income for artists who know they're probably not going to tour anymore or maybe do one or two more and that's it, who know that they're not going to make a lot of money off of streaming and who yeah. want to set up their families in a good way with a lump sum of money when they're dead. Like, so I do understand the reasoning, but it does feel weird. Like, yeah, it's know. a very like capitalist decision, right? It's like not, it takes away from the romanticism that is uh, music and, and art. And <laughs> I do that. I used to work for a collecting society, and we had uh, a couple of times we came in, in touch, like in contact with the whole. Uh, rights after the artist died and like um, what's the English word for it well, basically the people who are uh, by law allowed to earn the money from, from you mm -hmm. after your death um, mm -hmm. there must be a word for it yeah, I don't know the and word like, but I know what you mean there was always like fights and shit and everybody hated every when it comes to money like family doesn't matter for, uh -huh. for some people and it, it was like brutal to to watch and to read shit like and it sometimes it came down to like literal cents not even euros there was like this one musician who died and he basically made 
I think maybe two to three euros a month. And his like kids and grandkids tried to kill each other for the couple of euro cents that came around then. Jeez. So people are insane, man. Yeah, they are. But there we go. Fact or fiction wise, you did well. Thank you. It was good. I think you got them all right. I'm the best. You're a genius. <laughs> What's on Desert Island then? Uh, what is on Desert Island? Or Desert Island. Oh man, I could go for some chocolate pudding right now. <laughs> chocolate. It's always the fucking chocolate pudding. Yeah. All the time. Because it's good though. Is it the choco puddings that you get in like the little plastic tub that you use with a spoon? It's like chocolate mousse. Because that stuff is fucking great. That is good. I wish I should get uh, some for next week. So, people may not know, I've given up drinking, but and maybe forever, to be honest. <laughs> and I don't even feel that bad about it. But what I said to Chris was was that um, now I see that I can waste my money on shit food instead. <laughs> so I've just replaced yeah. one bad habit with another one, really. But there we go. So choco puddings <laughs> it is. Yeah, man. Oh man, I don't know what to put on the on the list though. Well, then put something uh, on the dessert island instead. What would be your killer on, dessert? I'm, I'm gonna. I'm checking out my. Okay, I want to go for some uh, blow your brains out metal. I'm gonna pick uh, Mick Gordon's BFG division from the Doom soundtrack. Blow your brains out metal. <laughs> <laughs> you know what BFG stands for in Doom. Uh, no, I don't. Big fucking gun. Oh, nice. There we go. <laughs> I learned what LFG meant today, which is let's fucking go. But I didn't know that. Oh, that's so, good. So that one was good. But um, <laughs> but um, BFG. Wow. I thought it was Big Friendly Giant. So, Oh, uh, right. There's a movie, right? It's a Ronald Dahl thing. Um, the Doom soundtrack. But we talked about that before, right? Mick yeah, or yeah, Mike yeah. Gordon. I can't remember. Mick. Mick Gordon. Yeah, that's some pretty cool stuff. All right. I'll you can that add that to your workout list, bro. Like when that main riff hits, it fucking hits, bro. Just the entire <laughs> Doom soundtrack could, yeah, could be yeah. your workout thing. Uh, go on, what's it called? I'm going to add it in now. BFG Division. I'm going to add Dylan Thomas, which is a song from the Better Oblivion um, Community Center, is what it's called. And uh, they are a super group kind of, a super duo, I should say, of Phoebe Bridges, who I really like, uh, American singer-songwriter, and Connor Oberst from Bright Eyes, if you know who Bright Eyes are, um, folk rock band. And they met up and decided we should do a duo. And uh, that's what they did. And the whole album is called The Better, Com uh, Better Oblivion Community Center. And it's a concept album where each song focuses on an inmate in this asylum which is called that. That's what it's called. So they ever did one album as the duo and that's it. And the song Dylan Thomas is um, about a guy who wants to die like Dylan Thomas by having a seizure. And, uh, and uh, that's what it's about, but it's a really good song with some, with some nice um, uh, lines in it. Some really nice lines in it. Cause it's really a song about just depression and being quite content with being depressed sometimes. And mm. And uh, that's a really weird thing to explain to people that maybe you know this as well. When you're in your sort of bad bits of mental health, actually sometimes it feels okay. Like 
like oddly, like you feel bad, but you don't feel good. You kind of just like, oh, okay, I'll just wallow in this for a bit. <laughs> and that's what that's about. Um, yeah, I'm getting greedy with this private hell. I'll go it alone, but it's just as well. It's the course. And I was like, that feels pretty, <clears throat> pretty fucking spot on. That. So mm-hmm. that's going on there. A uh, bit of depressing nice. rock. That's good. Thank you. That was nice and short and quick and, and everything. <laughs> good. Yeah, like, good. Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> okay, bye. <laughs> yeah, I want to get off my chocolate pudding. Piss off.